Hey listeners, my name is Elisha, the founder of the Witnesses Podcast. It's so beautiful to have you listening to our podcast. And I want you to know something that that means a whole lot to me. Thank you for tuning in. And one thing I love to tell all of our listeners is, it's not just about you listening, but listening to understand. Understanding is the most important thing. So important. So, you have to listen, learn, and practice. Thank you so very much and happy listening. Hi, Megan. Hello. How How are you doing today? Very well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing fine too. It's so good to have you on the show. Okay, before we begin with your introduction, you know, the essence of the show is to invite guests, beautiful guests, triumphant guests who have passed through one challenges or another and they came out of it triumphantly because we believe that our um, audience can get transformed and can get the inspiration they need to get out of whatever situation they're stuck in. Okay, so within the next um, 20 minutes, let us get started with your story. Talk to us about your story, the challenges, um, the solution, and how you came out of it. All right, let's get started. Sure. Yeah. So um, when I was a young child, I unfortunately got into a situation where I was being trafficked by a babysitter and they were taking um, pornographic pictures of myself and other children in the neighborhood and then selling and distributing those pictures. And none of the adults in our lives knew that that was happening. And when you're a young child, I was seven when it started, um, your psyche sort of forms a way to protect you from that by making the, the the memories of it sort of distant and far away. So I always had echoes of these memories of the abuse that happened, but I didn't remember the entirety of it until I started to get therapy help. So when you get programmed as a young child by, um, you know, you get groomed by an abuser, you believe certain things about yourself. And I carried those beliefs into my other relationships and into adulthood. And it took a long time to sort of deprogram that from my mind. Um, I, I surrounded myself with people who treated me the same way that my abusers did because it felt comfortable. It felt familiar to me. Um, and so I had to spend a lot of time in my adult life untangling those beliefs and getting therapy and getting help so that I could, um, you know, have healthier relationships and healthier boundaries and, and better beliefs about myself. It took a lot of uh, therapeutic work, a lot of time, and it's something that I'm still working on today. The fact that you're still working on it today, that's amazing. Okay, so um, I've got a question. Are you ready? Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. It says, um, how do we protect our children from grooming and abuse. Got that? Yeah, one of the most important ways I think that we can do it is by having vulnerable conversations with our children, uh, making it safe for them to talk to us about anything. And one of the ways we can do that as whether you're a parent or whether you're just somebody who has children in your life that you care for, uh, you know, as an aunt or uncle or as a godparent or whatever the case is, 
when you are vulnerable with children by admitting your mistakes, um, talking about your faults and failings, you make it safe for the children in your life to come forward with those things themselves. So if they know that you're a safe person that they can talk to about mistakes, then they're going to be willing to come to you with, um, you know, potential situations that, that make them feel uncomfortable as well. And that's the second part of it is one, creating a safe space for vulnerable conversations and two, starting the conversation yourself about the adults in your kids' lives, you know, asking them questions about that coach or pastor or teacher and also having a personal relationship with any adult that spends private time with your child. If you're, if your kid is enrolled in a sport and they're doing one-on-one -on -one coaching with that, with an adult, you need to go to that adult, introduce yourself to them, have a conversation with them, talk to them on a regular basis, make sure they know who you are and make sure that they know that you're the kind of adult who is going to show up for that kid all the time. And making that a two-way street. Whenever your kid comes back to you after a practice, asking them those questions, you know, how did things go? Did you feel safe in that situation? Do you feel respected by this adult? Do they treat you with kindness and fairness? And also asking the question, is there ever a time when you're in the presence of this adult where you feel uncomfortable or unsafe? And then giving them some examples. Um, you know, if they get into your personal space or if they ask you questions about your body that make you feel uncomfortable, if they ask you any questions that make you feel uncomfortable, those open conversations go a really long way to help protecting our kids. That's, that's, that's true. And, you know, I love how you're explaining it, seriously, because if most um, parents can actually put into practice what you just said. I'm so sure that you would have less wayward kids because, you know, most parents, they failed as a parent. That's why we have um, most kids who are wayward because their parents failed as a parent. And, you know, with what you just said now, it's so important to have a question time with your kids. You must um, create them, engage them, and talk to them to know how things is. Is there anything you're hiding from me, my kid? Is there anything you think I need to know? Stuff like that. That's okay. Okay, so I've got another question, and I want you to take your time to explain, okay? All sure. right. So it says, what is the hardest part of healing from abuse? You got that? Yeah, yeah. So for me, and and I think this is it's I think it's pretty true of most people who survive any kind of a trauma. It's not the actual trauma or abuse that causes the problem. It's how the trauma or abuse makes me feel about myself. And it's the negative beliefs that I develop about myself as a result of the trauma. And what I found in my therapeutic process was that. I had to fix the negative beliefs that I had about myself before I could heal from the trauma because there's nothing that I can do to control the other person. And there are some abusers in my life who I'm never going to get an apology from. 
And I can't rely on that for my healing. And sometimes you do get an apology from an abuser and it doesn't change the way that you feel about the abuse because it's the negative belief that's rooted within you. So we always have to look inward for healing before we can look outward for connections with other people. So as an example, one of the things that I believed about myself after the abuse was that I didn't have any control over my life. I believed that I wasn't worthy of good treatment. Um, I believed that I was powerless. And it's it takes going back and, and instilling some new beliefs in yourself and the realization of your own power and your own strength that helps heal from those abusive situations. Talk more on the, the childhood trauma. How can you give some more details? Maybe how did it happen? And can you talk more about that? Um, how the actual abuse happened? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, it, it was a babysitter that lived close to, to our house and my parents worked. And so we would go to the baby's ho- babysitter's house before and after school. And, um, you know, they just, abusers all need two things in order to, um, in order to abuse a child. And one is time and the other is just proximity. And the reason I think that I believed the things that my abuser told me was because I didn't really have any opposite messages coming from other adults in my life to refute what they were telling me. And, you know, groomers, abusers groom children to believe that if they tell somebody about the abuse, first of all, nobody's, what my abuser told me is that nobody's going to believe you. And if you tell them, they're going to be mad at you that you did this thing because you chose to do it. And also they're not going to love you anymore because of what you've done, you know? So, so abusers instill these false narratives into a child's mind and the child, you know, we, we as children at that de- developmental age of around seven or eight years old, we, we um, trust the adults in our lives to tell us the truth. And we believe what they say because they're an adult, they're the authority figure. And so um, that's basically how it was able to happen. It's, and how it continues to happen is that abusers are very good at manipulating children into believing things that are false. That's true. That's true. Okay. So, um, the last question. Okay. So it says, um, what regret do you have as a parent? You got that? What was, sorry, what, I couldn't hear the first part. Yeah. What regret, regret do you have as a parent? No. <laughs> what regret? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think the main regret that I have is that I wasn't able to recognize these abusive patterns in my life sooner and heal sooner because I really didn't begin my healing process until um, I had four of my six children already. Um, they were starting to kind of developmentally become their own people. I think my oldest daughter was you know, 12 or 13 before I really started to begin my own healing. 
And so therefore I was not the kind of mom that I wanted to be. I wasn't the kind of mom that they needed me to be at those younger stages. And so my older kids, um, you know, got a very different mom from the one that my younger kids have. So my biggest regret really is that I wasn't able to show up for my older kids sooner and be the kind of mom they needed sooner. But the good news is that we've had a lot of really open conversations about that. Um, I've been very apologetic to them about the environment that they were raised in when they were younger and very um, open about the idea that I can show up for them now in a much healthier way than I could when they were younger children. And I can't get that time back and I can't change their experiences but I can from now on be the kind of mom that they need now. That's, that's so good. That's so good. Okay, Megan, um, did I pronounce your name correctly? Is it Megan or? Yes, okay. it's okay. Megan. Megan, okay. <laughs> you know, um, um, the way you explained Iraq is such a way that I like when people explain something in such a way that it's so easy to understand and you can listen and get what exactly the person is talking about. That's how you have been explaining those questions and that's so good. And now to round up with, what would you like to say to anyone who is um, in need of help from an abuse? You know, you, you listed some characteristics of those ones who abuse people, you said they love, they know how to manipulate kids. Yeah, let's say there's someone suffering from that manipulation. I can't talk because he said, if I tell anyone, no one is going to believe me. No one is going to love me. How do you think someone in that situation can come out of it and handle it in such a way that um, it won't look like you came up with it? That that didn't happen. That didn't happen. No. Okay. Yeah, for me, the most important thing was um, getting therapy and, and getting professional help in healing. Um, I did a group therapy that was very, very important to me because I was able to talk with other women who had been through what I had been through. Um, and just having, you know, reaching out for support from different professionals and organizations that support trauma survivors. Um, the biggest message that I can give to somebody who's been through the same things that I have is that it is possible to find healing. There is hope and there, it, I know it feels, it feels very heavy to most survivors. It feels like you're never going to change. Like you're never going to feel differently about it. But I am, I'm just here as an example of somebody who went through that, who got through it and, and who was able to, have a happy life on the other side of it. Sometimes it feels like you're never going to be happy again. You're never going to have healthy relationships. And I can just testify that it, that it's possible. So that's it. Thank you so very much, Megan, for your time. Thank you for honoring the invite. It means a whole lot. Thank you. And God bless you. Yes, you're Thank yeah. you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. So that's going to be the end of the show. Thank you for your time, Megan. God bless you. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye.
Thank you for tuning in to this incredible episode. Your support means the world to us, and we truly value you. We look forward to having you join us for the next episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Your feedback is greatly appreciated.